0: Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. This week, we're going to be continuing the Christ-Centered Mentoring Series and talking about spiritual warfare in mentoring, discipling, and ministry. So if that's ever something that you've run against when you've stepped into ministry situations, I hope this episode will be encouraging for you. Before we dive in, I wanted to encourage you to check out our 2023 Ellerslie Discipleship programs as you look ahead to the coming year. If you have a longing to go deeper with Jesus and to become immersed in truth and to have a rock solid faith and to overcome areas in your life like struggles with fear, struggles with doubt or discouragement or insecurity, just a time at Ellerslie can just be an incredible spiritual reset. And it really is worth taking the time to come away from the cares and distractions of daily life and sit at the feet of Jesus, because it can give you a strong foundation for the rest of your life. We have a week-long program and two five-week programs. They do tend to fill fairly quickly. So if you're interested in joining us this year, click the link in this podcast description or just go to ellerslie.com for more information. Let's talk about spiritual warfare in mentoring relationships. Now, if you've been following this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me talk about spiritual warfare in other episodes. I didn't really understand the spiritual attack that came with ministry until Eric and I stepped into ministry as a young couple in our 20s. And our life had been fairly stable and going pretty well until we stepped into full time ministry, and then it felt like all hell just came against us. We had one issue after the next, one attack after the next. Our life honestly just felt like it was falling apart, and we couldn't figure out why. I wasn't familiar with spiritual warfare in any sort of detailed way. I just had kind of heard the concept all growing up in church, but it wasn't something I had ever really thought much about in my own personal life. But suddenly we were dealing with really intense financial issues and health issues and false accusation and just one thing after the next. And it seemed to be directly related to our desire to minister and to share truth. And it got to the point where these attacks and these hindrances were so extreme that it, it did keep us and hinder us from doing what we felt God had called us to do. And at one point, the attacks were so extreme that I wanted to walk away from ministry completely. And it wasn't until Eric and I started to really dive into the word of God, understand what was happening spiritually, and understand the tools that God had given us to resist the enemy's attacks, that we regained our strength spiritually and we gained a vision for going the distance in ministry. As I've mentioned on other podcasts, a lot of people cannot go the distance in ministry. You hear a lot of stories about people who are missionaries or pastors or Christian leaders who don't last very long, either in their ministry position or even in their faith. And a lot of times that is because they are being hit so hard by the attacks of the enemy because of the work they're doing, and they don't have the spiritual tools that they need, or they don't know how to use the spiritual tools that God has given us, and they become so discouraged or just distracted or weighed down with the battle because they're losing the battle rather than winning it and they just want to walk away. And that's a very common story. And I can definitely say from personal experience that I was right on the brink of that at one point early in our ministry. But God was so gracious to point us to his truth and show us principles in his word that were truly life-changing. And these are principles that we stand on even to this day in ministry, all of these years later. One of the most important principles that I learned when stepping into ministry is that when you are doing anything worthwhile for the kingdom of God, you are going to get attention from the enemy. And I didn't quite understand that at first. A lot of times I felt like God was just sort of abandoning me. Why, when I stepped out in ministry and I was speaking truth, why was I being hit so hard with all of these attacks? I thought, well, God, why are you not coming through for me? And finally I began to recognize it's because I'm doing something that I'm called to do that the enemy is now giving me his attention. So that can be a good sign, even though it's not fun to walk through through spiritual warfare, it can actually be encouraging to realize that you're on the right track and you're doing what God has called you to do if you're getting a lot of attention from the enemy. I remember that when Eric and I first started Ellerslie, our discipleship training program, the attacks on our life intensified. And we had been in ministry for a long time prior to starting Ellerslie, so we were familiar at that point with what spiritual warfare was. But what was interesting is starting Ellerslie almost felt like a step back or a step down from what we had been doing, because we had been traveling and speaking and addressing crowds of thousands and thousands of people, and now God had called us sort of away from that life on the road, and now God was calling us to step back from that and spend our time discipling and going deeper with smaller groups of people. There were people in our life who said, oh, you're you're wasting this great platform that you have, you're walking away from a great opportunity, you're reaching levels less people at a time, that's not going to be as effective. And yet one of the things that reminded us that we were walking in obedience to God is because the noise, the spiritual noise, the attack over our life so increased that it was very obvious that the enemy was not happy that we were starting Ellerslie, that we were moving in this direction of discipleship. So in a strange way, it was encouraging to say, you know, I think it's because we are on the right track. We're doing something right that we're getting all of this attack from the enemy. One of the things that Eric began to stand very strongly on early in the days of starting Ellerslie is the principle of ignoring noise or alarms from the enemy. So often, right before something significant would happen with Ellerslie, we would have noise, what we would call noise. It could be anything from just some catastrophe like broken pipes or a backed up sewer or something like that to even something as extreme as very intense false accusation. And we had all of that come against us when we were starting Ellerslie. And we began to take a stand and say, this is just noise from the enemy. This is just an alarm. And the desire of the enemy in throwing those things at us was to get us distracted, to pull us away from what we were called to be doing, and to get us so preoccupied with the crisis or the noise that was happening from the the camp of the enemy that we forgot to keep pressing forward with what God had called us to. We had to learn how to recognize those alarms, those, those points of noise from the enemy, and literally just choose to ignore them and press forward and stand on the promised of God. And there were several times when I asked God to give me a very specific scripture or a promise from his word so that I could say no to the noise of the enemy. There was one time when the spiritual warfare was really coming in the form of pretty extreme false accusation. And I could handle a lot of other attack points or noise without really being distracted, even You know things like our sewer backing up and having to move out of our house and having all of our kids be sick and having all these practical issues that came to the surface right before we started Ellerslie, even those things I felt like I had a special grace for. But when it came to false accusation, I was really being brought to a point of extreme distraction and even despair. And finally, I asked God for a scripture that I could stand on whenever the fear of what this false accusation might lead to would come my way. And he gave me the verse from Isaiah that says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And that was a verse that I stood on every single time either false accusation surfaced or I began to feel distracted by false accusation that had happened. I began to stand on that verse, No weapon formed against us will prosper. And it was amazing because even in the midst of very extreme attacks, that it felt like, okay, there's no way forward. We don't see a path forward. There's no way around this. There's no way through this. We're just, this is going to close us down right now. God always made a way when we continue to fix our eyes upon him, stand firmly upon his promises, and literally tune out the noise, the distraction of the enemy. Even to this day, even though that's been years ago that we began to really stand strongly against the noise of the enemy, we recognize noise whenever it happens. Just recently, our family went on a special getaway together, and it's really interesting because the enemy does not like that when we come together as a family, and so we started to get hit with all sorts of issues, physical problems and little catastrophes here and there and practical problems, and we began to just take a stand and say no weapon formed against our family is going to prosper in this time and we were able to press forward with that family getaway even though we recognized there was a lot of noise going into it. I have learned in ministry that taking the time to proactively resist the enemy and stand firmly on the promises of God, even before I step into a ministry situation, makes a huge difference. I've used this story, this example before on this podcast, but when I began to lead small retreats for young women a number of years ago, after my first book for women first came out, I would host these retreats for like 20 or 30 women, young women. Up in the mountains of Colorado, there were very powerful weekends of just Going deeper with truth. And it was interesting to see how often so many of the girls who would come from out of state to attend these weekends would be too sick to continue. They would maybe get off the plane and be sick with maybe food poisoning, or it it could be one thing after the next migraines, just things like that. And I noticed that sometimes close to half of the girls who came out for these events were not able to participate in the weekend of ministry that we had. We began to recognize that as hindrance from the enemy, that the enemy was putting these attack points in these girls' lives so that they would not hear these messages. And we began to take a stand against it. We began to declare that no weapon formed against us could prosper. And the following year, we hosted one of our first larger conferences for girls. I think there were about 400 or 500 girls and young women that were attending. And we did not have one girl who couldn't be there because of sickness. So, just to see the incredible shift in pattern that happens simply by taking our position in Christ and resisting the enemy. I've mentioned before in other podcasts, that verse in James is such an amazing promise, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So often I think we pray about attacks, but we don't actually take that position to say, God has given me the authority to resist in the name of Jesus. And like I've said before, resisting the enemy does not have to be a big dramatic display. We've all seen those kind of humanly contrived ideas of what resisting Satan is supposed to look like. And most of us are not attracted to it and don't want anything to do with it. And I know that's the way I was for so many years. It's like I'd see these things on TV or like these just really big displays that were obviously contrived. And I thought, well, if that's what spiritual warfare is or you know, resisting Satan, I don't want anything to do with it. But when you look at the word of God, it doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be a long drawn out thing. It's simply taking our position in Christ and telling the enemy, no. No, because of the power of the name of Jesus and we need to remember it's not the way we do it or how we do it that actually causes the enemy to back off it's the power of the name that is above every name the name of Jesus Christ and even a little child can resist the enemy through the name of Jesus I have noticed through the years in ministry that every time we choose to say no to the enemy and ignore that noise ignore those alarms and just say nope we're pressing forward with what God has called us to the enemy can cannot win a victory here. He's not going to put a hindrance in our way. Through the power of Jesus' name, we're saying no to that, and we just keep pressing forward. Every single time, that noise quiets and melts away and fades into the background, and all the things that felt so chaotic and so stressful just fade, and we're able to press forward with what God has called us to. I cannot count the number of times I've been about to step into a speaking event or hosting a conference or discipling someone, and all of a sudden, it just feels like my life is falling apart, whether it's a sickness or a crisis or a distraction or a relational issue or something. That comes to the surface. And when I just put that aside and say, Nope, that is not going to hinder me from walking in obedience. Lord, I'm trusting you to give me the strength that I need. And thank you for giving me the tools that I need to say no to the enemy. And I say no right now in Jesus' name. It's incredible. I am always able to do that ministry. Even when, when I look at it in the natural, it's like, well, the sickness or this headache or this you know, losing my voice or whatever it is is going to prevent me from doing this. Every time I say no to that noise, it doesn't prevent me because the power of his name is greater. So one of the things I would like to encourage you with is that no matter what form of ministry or outreach you may be stepping into, not to be surprised by backlash from the enemy. He doesn't want you to build God's kingdom. He will do everything in his power to cause you to give up, to walk away, to feel discouraged. And some of the most common attack points that I have found in my own journey into ministry, one would be exhaustion. Suddenly you're just exhausted. You just aren't motivated. You can't seem to have any energy for what God is called you to. I remember reading in the book Tramp for the Lord by Corey Ten Boom how she and her ministry partner went to a certain country in Eastern Europe, and they just both felt so sluggish and so exhausted the whole time they were there, and they couldn't figure out why because they weren't sick. And finally, a, a Christian friend said, have you actually resisted the enemy because the enemy doesn't want you here, and he's bringing this attack against you. So they just took time to resist any enemy attack over them. And that exhaustion lifted, and they were able to go out and witness and share the gospel. Another point of attack that you might notice is relational discord. Whether you're stepping out in ministry and maybe there's tension on your ministry team that's just coming out of nowhere, that can oftentimes be something that the enemy throws in there to cause distraction. Because if he can bring disunity between you and those you are standing shoulder to shoulder with in ministry, he's going to break down your ability to share truth and share the gospel. Or it could be relational discord that's coming from the outside. That's what happened to Eric and I as we were starting Ellerslie. There were people in our life that weren't a part of our ministry team or our ministry in any way, but there were people we knew, and they had been completely fine with us until we stepped into this... This calling of starting Ellerslie, and suddenly they began to criticize and nitpick and find fault and accuse us of crazy things. And just all of this weird relational discord came up out of nowhere. And for so long, it was a distraction until we finally saw it as an attack from the enemy and recognized that our battle was not against flesh and blood. It wasn't against these people specifically. It was about the spiritual powers that were trying to distract us and hinder us from what we were called to do. So begin to take a stand against that. One of the biggest areas of attacks that I often face with ministry is discouragement. You might find this, that when you are about to step into any kind of ministry, you might get hit with discouragement like, oh, I'm weak, I'm inadequate, I don't have anything to offer, I don't have anything to give, or you know, so-and-so says something rude to me, maybe I'm not fit for this kind of ministry. Or you may be finding that you're fine stepping into the ministry, but once you are done in a discipleship conversation or done leading a Bible study or done speaking, you'll be hit with discouragement. And that's the one that often the enemy will try to use on me. I can have this incredible, powerful time of pouring out and sharing truth, and it can really impact people. But then I can still walk away and feel like, oh, you didn't do this. You didn't say that. You didn't you didn't do that as well as you could have. And I get hit with discouragement. In fact, I think I've mentioned before on this podcast, we've hosted our Set Apart Conference for 13 years now. And for the first four or five years of hosting that conference, it was such a powerful weekend every single time. Time, but every single time I began to say after it was done, I'm never doing that again because the discouragement that would hit me afterwards was so extreme. Until so finally I recognize that's exactly what the enemy wants me to say is I'm never going to do that again. God wants this to continue and I need to push that discouragement aside, keep my eyes on him. And know that it's not based on my perfection and my delivery has to be perfect for lives to be changed. It's based on the work of his spirit in hearts and lives. And so just understanding that that discouragement was nothing but spiritual warfare from the enemy and saying no to it has made a tremendous difference in my ability to just have longevity with the things I know I'm called to. Another area you might be getting hit with is confusion, where there's just like this blur and you don't really know how to make the best decision and there's confusion confusion as far as how to move things forward, just to begin to take a stand against that because God does not work in blurriness and confusion. He's the father of light and the enemy is the father of lies. So understanding the difference between the two and if confusion is hitting you, to take a stand and say no to that point of attack from the enemy. Another area you might feel attacked in is just apathy and it's similar to exhaustion where you just don't have the motivation or the physical energy to do what God has called you to do. So if any of those things are hitting you and you're not quite sure where they're coming from, consider the fact that it might be spiritual warfare because the enemy doesn't like what you're doing in ministry. You have the tools. The word of God says that when we resist the devil in the name of Jesus, he must flee. And there are so many other verses that remind us of the tools, the position that we have in Christ. All things are under his feet. And when we are in our position in Christ, all things are under our feet as well. But we have to actually move forward and take that step to resist and lift up that shield of faith for the enemy to back off. I wanted to share with you three ways to prepare for spiritual warfare in ministry, because as you're stepping into ministry through mentoring and discipleship relationships, these are all probably areas that you'll face in one form or another. And it's very important to have a biblical perspective and a biblical battle plan ready. The first one is to expect difficulty. I think a lot of times we step into ministry not understanding that we are entering a battle. I know that for me as a young 20-something, when Eric and I first stepped into full-time ministry, I was not prepared that it would be a battle. I kind of had this romanticized ideal of what ministry would be like, and I thought it would just be this wonderful experience. I had no idea that I was entering a very intense battlefield and I wasn't ready with the spiritual weapons that I needed as a result. So a lot of us we have starry-eyed dreams of what ministry is going to be like. We have this desire to be useful, to feel like we're doing something good with our lives, to be used by God to change other people. Very few of us are actually prepared for the difficulty and the challenge that comes with real gospel work. And so it's easy to start out enthusiastically and then wane in your commitment once you realize that ministry is not going to be as fun and romantic as what you expected. We often want ministry to fit into a nice neat little box that doesn't inconvenience our life or cause difficulty, and it's easy to make the mistake of looking at ministry as a fun hobby, something we can just do whenever we're in the mood and we want to feel good about ourselves. Maybe it'll bring Bring some excitement or enjoyment to our self-focused lives or make us feel like we're doing something valuable. But real gospel-centered ministry is not meant to be just a fun hobby. It's meant to be a cross. It's the narrow way of the cross. If you look at Jesus' example of ministry, he poured out everything and he was in great agony because of all that he was giving to save us. Paul's example of ministry in 2 Corinthians 11 is pretty eye-opening. He talks about having stripes and being in prison and being on the brink of death and being beaten with rods and being stoned and shipwrecked. And you know the list just goes on and on and on. And yet for all of those incredible difficulties that Paul went through, he was so joyful and so content because he had everything he needed in Christ. I once heard a workout teacher say, don't expect this workout to be easy because easy doesn't bring results. And that's the way I would say we should approach ministry. Don't expect it to be easy because easy won't bring life-changing results. And as we've talked about at the beginning of this series, there is such a big difference between true life-changing discipleship in the life of someone and just being a buddy-buddy life coach for them, somebody who just kind of helps them along the way, encourages them here and there, or someone who really goes down deep and deals with the life or death battles over their soul. And if we're going to go down deep to that level where we're dealing with someone's eternal soul, we are stepping into a battle. So understand you're stepping into a battle and to also understand that God has given you All of the weapons that you need to fight victoriously against the attacks of the enemy in this battle. But one of the things that makes us a sitting duck for the enemy's attacks is when we don't understand that we are in a battle. So have your eyes open and don't expect the path to be easy. But secondly, ask for God's grace. Now, when it comes to ministry in the Christian life, it's not easy that we should be going after. We should be going after God's grace. So we don't ask for, Lord, make my path easier. We say, God, give me grace to walk triumphantly down this path of difficulty. God's amazing grace, his enabling power to do what we can never do on our own, can equip us to joyfully handle weights that we could never, ever handle on our own. Jackie Pullinger, who was a missionary to the walled city of Hong Kong, one of the most destitute places in the world, talked about sharing her home and even her bedroom with people who were recovering, like recovering prostitutes and drug addicts, women who just had completely broken lives, and she shared everything with them. But later in one of her speaking messages, she said to her audience, you may have your own room, but I have God's grace. God's grace is so amazing to equip us to go through things we never thought we could go through. What about when you feel ready to give up in ministry? I have reached that point many times. And if you continue on this path of obedience, you may reach that point where the enemy wants you to give up. He's putting all this pressure on you, throwing all of these attack points at you. And the temptation is so strong to walk away. I've had moments when I've just been repulsed by ministry, like, I never want to do this again, I want to walk away right now, or feeling physically weak where I'm just unable to fulfill my calling, or being so discouraged by false accusation or criticism or slander that I just literally want to move out of the country and change my name and start a life of obscurity. And those are very real battles and struggles that I've walked through just in being in front lines ministry. But I can tell you from firsthand experience that whenever I have cried out, out for God's grace, to endure and to triumph through those attacks. His grace has always been sufficient. He fills me with his heavenly perspective. He gives me strength to endure and to even love the calling, the path that he has called me to walk, even in spite of the difficulty. And then thirdly, learn how to resist. Even if you don't feel like your ministry is large or significant, even if you are touching just one life with the hope of the gospel, you're going to be a threat to the enemy and he is going to do everything that he can to get you to stop. Before you sit down to mentor someone, or lead a Bible study group, or teach a Sunday school class before you go on a missions trip, even before you share the gospel with a family member or coworker, I would encourage you to take some time to intentionally put on the armor of God and to resist the enemy's influence proactively." And I love the story that Otto Koenig tells in his message, The Snake Story, how he was in these jungle tribes in New Guinea, and the spiritual warfare was so extreme to the point where the people really couldn't even hear the message of the gospel because the enemy had them so distracted with so many noises and all sorts of things. Just that The story is actually quite hilarious, but how Otto Koenig, this missionary, he actually began to resist the enemy before he would ever even go anywhere to share the gospel. And the difference was absolutely incredible incredible. The people said to him, we don't know what's different, but now we can actually hear you with our understanding. And before they had just heard his message with their ears, but they didn't really understand what he was saying. But when he resisted the enemy, the enemy couldn't hinder these people from actually hearing the gospel. Be freshly reminded of of your position in Christ, because that's how you will truly be prepared for the battle. Resisting the enemy, as I've said before, doesn't need to be dramatic in order to be effective, because even a child can resist Satan through the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And another area to resist the enemy in is his hindrance over the lives of those you are seeking to reach, sort of like what Otto Koning experienced in the jungles of New Guinea. When you sense that there's just a barrier and someone cannot hear you, there's so entrenched in darkness that they may hear the words you're saying, but they have no ability to truly comprehend it. Take some time to resist the enemy's hindrance over their life and tell him, you know, back off. You are not going to hinder their ability to hear truth in the name of Jesus. And you might be surprised to see the difference that comes in their ability to hear the words of truth that you're speaking. Understand your authority in Christ. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. Enemy harassment is very different from godly discipline. God's discipline does bring pain into our lives and trials into our life, but it's a healthy, productive pain that leads to greater strength and it has purpose and hope. But an attack of the enemy is basically designed to hinder us from moving forward in what God has called us to do. That's something that Paul mentions, how he was intending to go into a certain place to minister, but the enemy hindered him. And that's the point of an enemy attack is to hinder us. It's so amazing to realize that all of the spiritual warfare that we go through, the difficulty, the battle that we fight, all of this can be leveraged into greater ministry strength. We don't need to just be victims and say, oh, I've just been hit so hard by the enemy. Now I have to sort of wallow in frustration and discouragement. We can actually see God leverage all of those difficulties and all of those battles into greater ministry strength. I can honestly say that the spiritual warfare that Eric and I faced early in our ministry and that, that we continue to face being in front lines. Christian ministry is what gives us the strength to endure. It's what gives us heavenly perspective. It's what gives us patience through trials. It gives us such an incredible strength to deliver the hope and the message of the gospel that we wouldn't have if we hadn't walked through those battles and seen the victory of God and seen the faithfulness of God and understood the grace of God. Maybe if you've read the story from Corey Ten Boom's book, The Hiding Place, where she and her sister, Betsy, were talking about the difficulty that they were facing in the concentration camp, but it was such a dark and oppressive place, and there was death and despair all around them. But Betsy had this vision that after they would be released from the concentration camp, they would have a message to bring to the world. And she said to Corey, they will believe us because we have been here. Think about that for a minute. Whatever you have walked through, whatever the enemy has tried to hit you with, If you turn to the power of God, the faithfulness of God, the promises of God, and allow God to walk you through to a place of victory, which He is very interested in doing when we yield to Him, you will have a message to share with others, and people will listen to the message that you have to say so much more intently than if you'd always had an easy path. So don't despise these days of difficulty. Don't despise the battle that God has called you to fight because His grace is sufficient, and He will leverage every difficulty, every battle that you face with the enemy into greater strength when you allow him to be everything he wants to be in your life and allow him to bring you to that place of triumph and victory. So in summary, spiritual warfare goes with the package in any kind of ministry, but we are not helpless against Satan's attacks. We have everything we need to resist him, to tune out his noise, to stand on the promises of God, to press forward and to watch him flee. And even when he's telling you that there's no way to gain a victory, The power of God is so much greater than the power of the enemy, and he does not have power over us when we are in Christ. I encourage you to take a stand against the enemy and to be aware of spiritual warfare and to go to the word of God and become equipped and prepared to enter a battlefield of ministry. And when you do, you will find this incredible experience of God being with you in every battle and giving you everything you need to say yes to what he has called you to. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into building a Christ-centered life and to even go deeper in what it means to understand spiritual warfare and resist the enemy, go to setapartgirl.com and look at the many articles and resources. There's an online mentoring program and some online courses that can really help you take these truths deeper. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.